You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Another episode of Podcasters of Shield, Cinema Geekly's all-encompassing Marvel podcast. It's Anthony Lewis along with Aurora. Aurora, how are you doing? Very good. How are you? I am doing excellent. Uh, we are going to continue our quest through Netflix's Jessica Jones. Uh, we are going to be talking episodes three and four. Uh, how how are you feeling so far? Uh, four four episodes in, uh, is the show still working the magic that it had in the first two episodes? Yes, yes. I'm I'm kind of trying to pace myself because I want to keep watching. Yeah, it's it's uh, <laughs> the episodes. It's not it's not easy. Uh, this is I, I find it easier than watching one episode a week, which I think would have been far more torturous. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if there is one thing to say about Netflix uh, and the way they do their shows. If there is one negative, it might be this that they release yeah. them, uh, you know, all together. Like if I if I knew for a fact they're like, look, we're just going to release two episodes a week, and you got to come back every week to get two more episodes. I think I could handle that better than knowing they're all right there. Right. It's like if you're a little kid on Christmas morning, not even Christmas morning. Say your parents lay out all of the presents. Uh, <laughs> like a week before, and they're like, "Hey, go ahead, help yourself. You can open them all right now if you want." And you're like, "I uh, you really yeah. have to wait until Christmas morning." And you're like, "Okay, I'll just open one at a time." But you know that they're all yeah. still sitting downstairs, just waiting for you, and nobody is stopping you from going and opening them. Yeah, and you know that uh, every time you finish an episode, Netflix like pulls up the next one and gives you like a little summary. Yes. Of what is going to happen, and then I'm reading what's going to happen next. I'm like, oh, I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see that episode yeah. now. <laughs> uh, so uh, the arduous journey continues, but uh, <laughs> look, it's worth it because I'm watching these every Friday night, and it's an awesome way to kind of kick off the weekend yeah. uh, for me, even though I spend most of my weekend recording and putting up podcasts. Uh, it's totally worth it as like the kickoff <laughs> to everything. Uh, all right, so let's talk about it. Season one, episode three of Jessica Jones on the Netflix, a.k.a. it's called Whiskey. Uh, so this episode begins exactly where episode two ended. Yeah. Um, now, before we hop in, um, let me just say, as a member of humanity and a human, <laughs> I can say with certainty that everybody has turn-ons and turn-offs. And mm -hmm. for me, I feel like I have pretty normal ones, right? Like uh, a sense of humor mm -hmm. and intelligence and maybe sharing, you know, similar hobbies or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
not being able to harm yourself with a saw <laughs> is not one of my turn-ons. <laughs> However, to each their own, apparently Jessica Jones is really turned on by Luke Cage's... I mean, I could see that from a superhero perspective, I guess. I guess, right? Like, I mean, I know... I Look, yeah. I know there's a kindred uh, relationship here that they feel... Uh, together and obviously they feel like they're it's like a weird relationship right because she feels very broken and mm-hmm. he is unbreakable right and so I, I i get it but it did seem kind of weird that they went from because if you watched episode two and episode three back to back without stopping like i did mm-hmm. you would get luke cage putting a a handsaw and not like a you know like a going back and forth like a mechanical one yeah. Up against his body. And then he takes it off. And then they go immediately to sex. Like, <laughs> no, like nothing. And they have they have superhero sex in this episode yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They like each other, Aurora, a bunch. But you know what? I, can I say something about this? Absolutely. Um, so I feel like the first time they slept together... Mm-hmm. They were all. They were both holding back because they didn't know that the other one had superpowers. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember that. Um, they, I mean, they, I think he, I think he realizes a little bit, right? Like I think they, I think they're both holding back because I think they're worried about like hurting the other one. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. But then once she realizes that he's like her. Then I, I I feel like it wasn't the fact that he's unbreakable and that he did that thing with the saw. I, I think it's the fact that she realizes that they were holding back before, but now they don't have that to. they're they don't have to. So yeah. yeah. Um, and normally I am not a big fan of sex scenes in television shows because I use or movies for that matter because I feel like they usually don't serve right purpose to forwarding a story. Mm-hmm. Or a character development or anything like that. I feel like they're usually just put in there because they're like, oh, sex sells. And, right. Um, but in this case, I, I liked it. I like the part where, uh, you know, he has a hold of her and then she overpowers him. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he is this giant dude. Mm-hmm. And she overpowers him. And he's like, oh, wow, this is new for yeah. me. Uh, yeah. I liked all of that. I, I think it, I think it, I think it actually worked, which is pretty rare. Yeah. And is this um, the first time ever that we have seen two superheroes having sex? Yes. <laughs> I am almost pot. I mean, outside of like a porn parody or something. Yeah. Yes, I am pretty sure that this is the first time. Uh, I mean, we saw like some some butt crack from Luke Cage. You don't yeah. really see. I think that might be the first uh, super powered butt I have ever seen <laughs> on television. I mean, I've seen like the Batman one up close, but that was, you know, Tim Burton's weird. Uh, and he had the rubber yeah. suit on. He was just obsessed with showing Batman's butt up close on a gigantic screen. Uh, but yeah, we've got that, that nipple too. So yes, that's not, <laughs> yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, weird Tim Burton. <laughs> or was that Tim Burton? Or was that uh, that may have been um, the other guy who ruined Batman movies? Um, who was the guy who came after Tim Burton? I don't remember. We did the last two. I can't remember. Um, Schumacher, Joel Schumacher. Schumacher yeah. Yeah. I think that was his uh, that was his <laughs> nipple obsession. Um, anyway, let's talk about the episode, shall we? Uh, so um, after 
after the first of what would eventually become a sex marathon with Luke Cage this episode, because I think they had at least three encounters. Uh, <laughs> I could be wrong. Um, Jessica is looking to uh, to drown her her memories in booze because after I believe the second encounter with Luke Cage, she's in his bathroom and she opens a medicine cabinet and sees a picture of Reva Connors. Mm-hmm. It's the woman whose name we saw when Jessica was looking at the list of people who were involved in the bus accident that also had Kilgrave. Uh, she was involved with Kilgrave. Right. And I mentioned, I was like, I think this has something to do with Luke Cage from the comics. And lo and behold, yes, it did. They were in a, a relationship together, maybe? Or was yeah, they were married. Yes, okay, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And Jessica, as soon as she sees the picture, has flashbacks to Reva Connor. Kind of looks like she's getting hit or something. Like maybe she was shot and she's sort of mm-hmm. falling backwards a little bit. And this happens. She gets this flashback a few times. Um, so while she is in the uh, ye old convenience shop to get some booze, she hears on the radio that her friend, Hope Schlotman, the woman she saved, or, well, uh, tried to save anyway, from Kill the mm-hmm. um, uh, she hears that she's being roundly mocked uh, because the stories are coming out that Kilgrave uh, made her kill her parents and that she was mind-controlled and people are not buying the story at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, she decides, um, so Jessica goes to, to Jerry Hogarth demanding that she defend her. And she's like, look, uh, as long as there's nobody else coming to her defense with the same kind of story, this is just what it sounds like to people. Mm-hmm. Um, without, without anybody else there, she just sounds like a crazy person. Well, she's a fair, fair mm-hmm. argument. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Jessica decides uh, she's going to go to the clinic where Wendy Hogarth works. Uh, Mm -hmm. That would be the woman that Jerry is in a disputed relationship with, but it sounds like she might be in uh, the middle of or the beginnings of divorce proceedings. Right. And she goes to her hoping to maybe blackmail her to get the anesthetic medicine needed to stop Kilgrave. Mm Mm-hmm. We did discuss that in the last episode, did we not? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I could not remember the names of the... Maybe it was propofol or something along those lines. Something with an S. Yeah. Sopultine or... Yeah. Sopultine, yeah. Um, and uh, she was trying to use the conflict between Jerry and Wendy as leverage. It did not work. Um, so she then goes to her friend Trish to find out if she knows any ill-reputed doctors... Mm-hmm. Um, and while she's with her, she sort of realizes that Trish essentially lives in a bat cave, but a, a, <laughs> it is a fortress. Like the, the doors are like, uh, you know, five feet of steel reinforced concrete or something. And the windows are bulletproof and she's got a safe room and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's basically the apartment you want to have mm-hmm. this a world where superheroes and yes. aliens and bad things exist. Yes. That's the perfect apartment to have. Yes. Um, and uh, Jessica eventually ends up using her friend Malcolm, the drug-addled gentleman who lives a couple of doors down from her, as a distraction to infiltra- uh, infiltrate a hospital and steal mm-hmm. some vials of the drug. And Malcolm appears nonplussed with the way that Jessica had used him. Uh, to gain access. Uh, 
in the meantime, uh, Jessica gets Trish to do a radio interview for Schlotman so that everyone can hear her experiences from her own mouth. And uh, during the interview, Jerry Hogarth speaks uh, as if uh, uh, as if Hope is nuts, right? Uh, right. Uh, but Trish decides to defend her, and she's like, look, I know it sounds a little nuts that there might be a guy who can mind control somebody, but everybody remember, like, the big green guy? Yeah. Or the aliens? Mm-hmm. Or the dude with the hammer? Yep. <laughs> uh, like, uh, something like that doesn't sound as weird now. Right. Um, and this is also a world post-Avengers 2 as well. Yeah. Um, so there's been a lot of things that have happened. Um and Trish at this point gets upset and begins to insult Kilgrave on the air. And Jessica freaks out. Mm-hmm. She's like, you got to stop doing this. Uh, she's trying to break her microphones and her soundboard. Uh, and a call comes in from Kilgrave himself and questions Trisha's wisdom and taunting such a powerful man. Uh, and basically says a bunch of menacing things in the least menacingly possible way, and then awesomely says, I'll take my answer off air. Oh, that's yeah. so... I, it was great. I, I almost chuckled, because it was <laughs> it was funny, because he's just, yeah. all of these horrible things, and he's like, I'll take my answer off the air. Yeah. Uh, oh, so funny. Uh, and great at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jessica... Uh, after all of this, has uh, another flashback, but a much clearer one that shows us what happened to Reva Connors. And it goes back to her time with Kilgrave, and Kilgrave essentially orders Jessica to get rid of her. And Jessica Mm -hmm. punches her right in the chest, and she goes flying backwards and dies and Jessica I think at that point I don't know what happened she snapped out of Kilgrave's control and she just started walking away and he kept yelling at her to come back Yeah, and she didn't Um, it's at this point that Jessica tells Luke that she can no longer date him uh, obviously Mm -hmm. terrified to tell him the truth and uh, Cage is obviously visibly upset because he found her as a kindred spirit and closes the door upset. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, at Trish's apartment, uh, an officer of the law shows up, a man named Will Simpson. Uh, officer Sim- I, I don't know if he's a comic book guy or not. I don't know. Um, according to the Marvel Wiki, his aliases are Rambo and G.I. Joe. All right. <laughs> I think there might be some sort of uh, copyright issue there. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think they'll refer to him as that in this episode. Uh, but he goes there, right? Uh, with mm-hmm. uh, because there was a an incident earlier as Jessica and Trish were leaving the uh, the radio studio, where a fan comes up and. Uh, kind of grabs Trish from behind, and she kicks the crap out of this guy momentarily before realizing it was a fan. And uh, so Officer Simpson shows up using the assault of the fan as his premise. Uh, Trish is reluctant to let him in until she shows him his badge, and when she opens the door, 
He busts through the door and goes right after Trish. He is being controlled mm-hmm. by Kilgrave. Uh, Trish is fighting for her life. And just as the officer is choking her near death, Jessica arrives fairly conveniently to save her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Very conveniently. Yes, and stops, <laughs> and stops the officer uh, enough to give Trish a small injection of the anesthetic which knocks her out, which Simpson believes uh, that Trish is now dead, and that allows him, to, now that he's done what Kilgrave has asked, he's able to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trish, uh, so Jessica decides she's going to follow this guy because he's going to go back to Kilgrave, and she uses Trish's phone to kind of, she kind of sl- slips it into his pocket so he can track, uh, track this guy like via GPS. And... Um, so she does this, and she finds Kilgrave, who I guess is no longer in the apartment with the family and the kids. He right. appears to be yeah. in a much nicer, upper-scale place. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kilgrave orders the officer to jump off of the roof, and Jessica stops him, and that's when Jessica and Kilgrave meet eye-to-eye yeah momentarily before Kilgrave kind of reinforces his suggestion and Jessica has to save the officer once again and when she turns around Kilgrave is gone and she gets into the apartment and then basically has to knock out a bunch of these poor people that Kilgrave has under his control Mm -hmm. and then Jessica walks into a room which I guess can only be described as a shrine to Jessica yeah pictures everywhere of all sizes and shapes and dioramas and pieces put together to make giant Jessica Jones faces on the wall and Mm -hmm. it's creepy and there's one picture on it that says uh, see you later I believe Uh, and Jessica returns to the officer and jumps from the balcony with him to simulate suicide uh, so this way that he will once again have done the thing that Kilgrave had wanted him to do Mm-hmm. And it breaks the hypnotic trance. Uh, however, Jessica is faced with a new dilemma. Who is working for Kilgrave taking pictures of her? Mm-hmm. So what did you think of episode number three, Aurora? I liked it a lot. It uh, had a lot of great scenes. I love that scene when uh, the officer goes into Trisha's apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, although Jessica appeared... <laughs> Out of nowhere. I don't know how she got there in time, but she did. Yes. Um, it's and just I like things. Yeah. I liked how she, uh, you know, had had some quick thinking and she anesthetized Trish, mm-hmm. made the police officer think that she was dead, and then followed him with the GPS. I think I thought that was great. Yeah, we um, learned a lot of things about Kilgrave's powers in these two episodes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I like that uh, concept of, you know, Kilgrave can uh, make you do things, but Jessica, if she confuses people and makes them believe that they did whatever Kilgrave said they should do, then the spell or the hypnosis or whatever it is that he does Mm -hmm. um, is done. Yeah. I like that. That's a weakness, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Um, assuming you can convince convince him of the thing uh, mm-hmm. or convince the guy that he did the thing yeah yeah which isn't always easy for sure yeah. um and i think that the what makes kilgrave so scary is the fact it's not that the fact that he does mind control is the fact that the way that the um 
show is is portraying him is kind of like an abusive husband, yes. an abusive partner um, that wants to control her, and you know it's like a stalker, and it's uh, and she doesn't know. She's just trying to shake him yeah. off. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, this this whole I, thing. I think that's the most scary part. Yeah, yeah. I, I this whole thing feels like. Um, analogous to like rape and rape victims mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where, um, you know, and she's got a lot of the, the things, right? She doesn't like to talk about it. She likes to, mm -hmm. sometimes she likes to put up a shield and blow it off. Like it doesn't affect her or it's, right. it's no big deal, but you know, and a lot of it, it you know, I mean, a, a lot of it is very similar. I think this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, especially for maybe not younger girls to watch, but mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, maybe for teens, I, um, right. it's maybe the earliest uh, I would start with. But I think um, it's a good way to sort of introduce somebody in that situation because a lot of you know a lot of the talk is you know even though it, it in, involves men, which are statistically not as likely to get raped. I mean, it happens, but it's it's mm -hmm. much more rare. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the talk is you know this isn't your fault that this happened. Right. Don't blame right. yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is this is his fault. Uh, that sort of thing. I think that yeah. is excellent uh, yeah. that they're that they're covering it in the, in this sort of way, mm -hmm. and um, and he is so sinister, and is so hor. And I've talked to Aaron. Aaron has not spoiled anything to me, but he's like he gets so much worse as the yeah. season goes on, and it's hard to believe because he's already pretty horrible, and he hasn't even yeah. really done that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and knowing that he's going to get worse is, is terrifying to me. Um, but yeah, I like this episode a lot too, but it was, <clears throat> it was, uh, more of a, I guess more of a, a setup. Uh, yeah. they're kind of more foundation laying here, mm -hmm. uh, before things really kick into high gear. But, um, I really liked, uh, when, when Trish snapped, I think maybe, right. I think her training that mm -hmm. she's going through right now is, uh, I guess, uh, maybe maybe she felt a little more emboldened. Mm -hmm. uh, she's like, you know, he's gonna he's gonna come after you, and she's like, who cares? Yeah, like somebody needs to say something to this asshole. And uh, mm -hmm. I I, I like I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I. I like that they continue to keep this within the the MCU canon by yeah. bringing up, you know, Hulk or I mean, it's weird mm -hmm. how they. I mean, I, I mean, I guess they're not branded superheroes, right? So that's why, like, if they say something, they're like the big green guy, right? Or I think Jessica calls Captain America the flag waver, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that, where they, uh, yeah, you know, it's, I, it's true. I, I mean, you never hear the word the word superhero. Ever and it's no, more like really. you know the gifted or the different ones or yeah. us. Um, it's not alluding yeah. to their superpowers at all. It's just that we're different. I mean, it, it happened. It came up in conversation once, right after Luke and Jessica's first night together when they're at that little cafe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's like, uh, he's talking about how he. Oh, and they very, very vaguely. Right. Very vaguely talked about origins, right? Mm -hmm. How did you get mm -hmm. some powers? Oh, it was an accident. What about you? And his was weirder that he didn't go into any detail because he's like, I was experimented on. And I'm like, holy right. shit, what? Yeah. 
what? <laughs> like, that is something, like, I feel like should be discussed a little bit more. Like, mm-hmm. that feels way more violated, like, uh, more of a violation than, like, oh, an accident. Some chemicals landed on me and superpowers. I don't know. Right. Um, right. That was a little, like, don't leave me hanging like that, Luke. <laughs> uh, but I love that in a way because... You don't uh, need to really see it, right? Right. And we see superheroes as this, you know, like, protectors yeah. and... Um, heroes and that they should be proud of saving people yeah. but in this world they're hiding and they don't want to share i love they have the powers i love that it's so run-of-the-mill it's like the scene from like jaws or something or the scene that they uh mocked from jaws and say like chasing amy where it's like where'd you get these scars oh let me tell you a story like it's so <laughs> nonchalantly like oh an accident how about yours right. uh <laughs> Um, but in that conversation, he's like, you know, you ever try the, the hero thing? And she's like, eh, I tried it for a little bit and it didn't work out. And he's like, tell me there's a costume and you still have it or whatever it is or <laughs> something along those lines. Um, mm-hmm. and, and she looked a little embarrassed and did not answer him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was yeah. funny. Um, overall though, I think a pretty good episode. Uh, what would you grade? Uh, it's called whiskey, which by the way, was a line in the episode, I think. Yeah. Like how do you how do you deal with all this or whatever? And yeah. she's like, it's called whiskey, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I was also wondering uh, before I give my score, mm. I was thinking, how can she drink so much whiskey and not get drunk? She drinks a bunch, and I guess it's because she's a superhero. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, super metabolism, maybe. <laughs> like she just her body her body compensates for all the alcohol somehow. I guess. Or maybe her drunk is just, you know, she gets, like, super drunk, where, like, superhero drunk, where she's drunk for a superhero, but... Right. You right. know, it's like... A bottle like, of whiskey will yeah. get her tipsy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a couple of beers for any regular person, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, a, little, they're a little buzzed, but they can function mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it is with her. <laughs> it's just, for her, it's just a whole bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, all right, so score for uh, episode three. I will give it a four. Mm-hmm. I am right there with you. I had four staring me right in the face. Uh, very <laughs> good, but, um, you know, foundation laying uh, yeah. episode. We learned, I mean, I felt bad uh, for for Jessica when she realized that this woman that she killed was Luke Cage's wife. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. that's uh, clearly, I think that's going to come to a head at some point and bubble to the surface almost positive because mm-hmm. they always do in this sort of thing. I'm curious to see how that's going to play out uh, as well. Okay. So let's talk about episode four, AKA 99 friends. So Jessica is now finding herself very paranoid. Uh, basically anytime she's walking anywhere, right? Uh, mm-hmm. She sees anybody with a camera. She thinks they might be taking pictures. And that's the scary thing with Kilgrave. It could be anybody. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's researching who could be taking the photos for Kilgrave. She receives a case from one Audrey Eastman, a mm-hmm. jewelry designer who became rich after her mother died. Uh, and Eastman wants to know if her cousin or her husband, Carlo, is having an affair when she leaves, uh, or when he leaves for work on Friday nights. So uh, Jessica is obviously going to take the case, um, uh, but wonders if Eastman is enthralled. She follows Eastman around for a while, uh, and 
learns her backstory a little bit, but the only thing of some slight import, uh, importance that she learns about Eastman is that she goes to a warehouse and has target practice with a gun. Right. While apparently blaring uh, grunge. Heavy metal? <laughs> like grunge or something. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what it is that she's playing. Um, so, anyway, Trish is a little freaked out after almost being killed by a police officer. Uh, she becomes more so when the officer returns to her apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, she calls Jessica and she's like, oh my god, I think Kilgrave knows that I'm still alive. This guy is back here. Uh, please come as soon as you can. And she's like, okay, go in your panic room. And right. she does. And Jessica arrives. And uh, when Jessica gets there, she realizes that Simpson is, in fact, only concerned about what happened. Because he thinks that he killed her. And wants to make amends for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jessica tries to tell him that he wasn't responsible. And Simpson, Officer Simpson insists on helping her find Kilgrave. In the meantime, Trish decides to go back to work at the radio station. And she publicly apologizes to Kilgrave for insulting him in the hopes that it will keep him off of her back. Mm-hmm. And basically it was, yeah, it's like, oh, he's so powerful and God, his voice is so sexy, essentially. is what mm-hmm. she was just <laughs> trying to kiss up to him as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. To me, it felt very transparent, but I yeah. guess Kilgrave's ego must be so big that even the yeah. most transparent of lies was like, oh, tell me more about my eyes. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he just wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jerry Hogarth is having an awkward confrontation with her wife, uh, because Jerry is taking her secretary, Pam, who she is in a relationship now out to lunch, except she takes her to the place where she proposed to, yeah. uh, Wendy. And even, awful. even Pam is like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. She walks out on her. Yeah. She's like, this was monumentally a, what a yeah. jerk move. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Jessica <laughs> calls with an emergency. Uh, uh, and she. Okay. So, okay. She had attempted to take Pam out to lunch. Uh, calls Jones with an emergency. Jessica arrives to discover that the office of uh, Hogarth, Chow, and Benowitz, I believe is the name of the agency, is flooded mm-hmm. with people who want to prove that Kilgrave used their power on them. Now, naturally, Jerry's like. Look, he's ever since the story came out on the news and somebody with uh, even a shred of of decency was defending the fact that this might be real. Everyone in the city is going to want to use this guy as like, oh, he made me do this horrible thing, like as an excuse to get away with their crime or whatever. Um, But uh, Jessica says that uh, and and Jessica says that she's too busy to deal with all this. But Hogarth reminds her that she is in her debt so they decide they're going to sit down with the cameraman and they're going to interview each person to try and determine who was actually used by Kilgrave. And right. this sort of creates, I guess, an AA of sorts for mm-hmm. people who've been used by this man. Uh, Jessica then asks Officer Simpson for any police surveillance footage of certain places to find uh, commonality, basically. She's trying to find anybody who might be in multiple places with her at one time to try to figure out who it is that's taking pictures of her. Uh, And uh, while all this is going on, Jessica is called by a small child who 
is yeah. delivering a message that Kilgrave has forgiven Walker. Before coming to her senses, though, the child tells Jessica to do her job mm-hmm. since it's Friday. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and makes that girl say some awful things for a child that age. Yeah, it was very creepy. Uh, Jessica decides, uh, does, and follows uh, Carlo Eastman to a rendezvous with his alleged girlfriend. The girlfriend turns out to be Audrey, his wife, you see, because it is a setup. Mm-hmm. She wants to kill Jessica. And Jessica immediately goes, ah, kill Grave again. And she's like, no, I want to <laughs> kill you because you're gifted. Which Audrey displays disgust at the name, even, of gifted. Mm-hmm. She explains that gifted people caused the death of her mother uh, right. by essentially allowing the, the the Battle of New York to happen, which right. sometimes people call the Battle of New York, sometimes they call it the incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically they're like, look, because of the havoc wreaked, her mother, a building collapsed, her mother died. And she wants revenge on any and all gifted people. And Jessica shoot. Uh, Jessica gets shot in the arm, and Jessica then loses it. Right? Yeah. And she's like, "You think you're the only person who lost your parents in an accident?" Um, she's not the one going around blaming anyone else for happening. She doesn't go and kill every bad driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when I say flipped out, I mean she's picking up heating vents and throwing them through doors. <laughs> yes. Uh. Uh. She tells the Eastmans that she has 99 friends mm-hmm. who are gifted and they will hurt her if she does not leave New York City. The Eastmans, of course, mm-hmm. are in terror. Jessica does not have 99 superhero friends. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome, though. <laughs> yes. Um, meanwhile, Officer Simpson brings Trish uh, an unlicensed handgun that she can use to defend herself. Uh, the two talk for a very long time. And a friendship develops, although that is not exactly how it felt to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, the feeling I got was that she was going to sleep with this man for some reason is what I got. Yeah, you felt, yeah, a little bit flirting. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that she just so quickly opened the door and he just walked in. Yeah. uh, That did not feel like, I have to let this guy in right away so we can sit at a table and discuss like friends. Right, Like. uh, I mean, you know, everybody at Cinema Geekly is like that. Like, I can't wait to sit down and start <laughs> talking about Jessica Jones. Um, but that's not how this scene was presented to me, I guess. I don't know. Um, so sitting at a support meeting, Jessica hears the testimony of a man named Donald and how Kilgrave made him become his chauffeur, which, were, by the way, a really heartbreaking story mm-hmm. of he was in his car with his kid and Kilgrave got in the car and this kid is crying and he's basically like, uh, you want to leave the kid on the curb. Mm-hmm. And he takes his young child. I think he said he was eight, maybe, or seven. I don't know. A young child. Yeah. And sets him on the curb and then just drives off. And mm-hmm. Kilgrave had him as a chauffeur for weeks. And he lost the custody of his child. And his life, his wife left him. And a uh, heartbreaking story. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and Jessica's like, well, wait a minute. You've been everywhere with him. Uh, you know, does he does he meet somebody? Somebody deliver pictures? And he's like, actually, yeah. Now that you mention it, and the only thing the man is able to 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 say is that he wore a a scarf that had blue and white stripes, and they would meet at ten o'clock, 
uh, all the time. And Jessica eventually compares all the footage and the testimony, and she finds the photographer, her friend Malcolm Ducas. Yeah. Uh, so that's the episode. What did you think of 99 Friends? Oh my gosh. This episode was so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Yes. Every single thing that happened was amazing. From those people trying to kill her, um, which how stupid can you be? Yeah, I thought it was a nice twist. And kill a superhero. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. He's like, oh, what am I, bulletproof? I'm going to use my laser eyes. And he's like, wait a minute, you're bulletproof? And then she shoots her. She's like, nope, you're not bulletproof. I thought that was actually pretty great. Um, Um, Yeah, but I, I like that side case. Like it had nothing to do with Kilgrave. It was just these two people that just wanted to kill a superhero. Yeah, and it was all. And it was ultimately it was all played for comedy, right? Because right. at the end of it, Carlos like, I think I want a divorce. Yeah, <laughs> and like the room fall, like the the frame of the door falls down in front of. Him. <laughs> uh, so it was ultimately all kind of just played for giggles. Yeah. Um, but the scene where Jessica was really mad was not giggly, giggle worthy, yeah. but. Um, yeah, continue. Continue with your thoughts. Um, I liked also Trish and the police officers, uh, how they were talking through the wall. The wall, um, yeah. yeah. Their whole, yeah, their whole conversation. Um, even though it was slow and it was just a conversation, it was great acting. Yes. And I, I thought it was a great scene uh, between both of them. I agree that I don't know. I don't know if if I was Trish, if I would let him inside my apartment. Because you don't know if he's still under Kilgrave's control, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't let him inside my apartment, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I also um, liked, there's a scene where um, Jessica is talking to Jerry outside of the room where they have all the people that were controlled by Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. And Jerry said something about, oh, I think Kilgrave is uh, wasting his gift. If I had someone like that in my uh, practice, in my law practice, we would, you know, be so successful or something like that. And then Jessica loses it. And she's like, what are you talking about um, having someone like Kilgrave? Do you remember that scene? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which having, after seeing Jerry, the way that she treats her wife. Yes. And then having her make that comment about Kilgrave, I feel like she might become a villain eventually. Quite po- I mean, she's certainly not a a cuddly person. Uh, yeah. She seems very cold. Yeah, uh, she seems like she's very selfish. Yeah, so that's, that's a much better word. Yeah. So she cares only about her needs and whatever she immediate yeah immediate wants yeah right right um it'd be interesting to see if they do with trish what the comic books suggest they do with trish mm-hmm. um because in the comic books trish uh slash well i, I guess I, I i guess in the comics she's patsy walker but that's mm-hmm. kind of like a nickname or a middle name mm-hmm. in the comics she's hellcat and i believe she is one of the maybe the earliest female Marvel characters, I think. According to the according to the sure. according to the Wikipedia, her character debuted in November nineteen forty four. So she is an she goes back far. 
Yeah. Um, so I'll be curious to see. I mean, and she's training to fight, obviously. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's what she becomes. Um, and she does have a team affiliation with the Defenders, which we know they are doing on oh, Netflix. Yeah. So, uh, but she was also part of the Avengers and the. I, I guess this isn't remembered as much, but the Lady Liberators, which is not <laughs> a group that I have ever heard of before. But but sounds um, awesome. Uh, no, it's no. I think it's let it. it it's She Hulk is in the Lady Liberators. So. Yeah. Uh, Storm is in it, and Valkyrie, and Black Widow, and Enchantress, and uh, although I'm guessing not DC's Enchantress, and Scarlet <laughs> Witch, so uh, Wasp is in it. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Actually, that sounds like they could do a really good show based off of that, by the way. Yeah. Because a lot of these characters they've already introduced, and most of them are pretty great. Yeah. Uh, why not do that? Yeah, I would love to see She-Hulk in the screen. Which... I would love to see She-Hulk. I would love to see how like please, her. like, please just do it. Hey, look, if they if Marvel had a show that was more like The Flash, She-Hulk would have been on it by now because on The Flash, I think they've introduced every possible DC character. They've had so many, and they do obscure ones as well. But, uh, yeah, I like I liked this episode a lot as well. Um, there was... N- <laughs> there really wasn't a lot of Kilgrave in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I gotta say, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the connection to, um, I, I like how after all this time, the first Avengers movie still has repercussions and they, br- they make sure to, to bring that up, even though that at the end it was essentially played for comedy purposes mm-hmm. and Jessica lied her ass off to get out of that situation. I yeah. still like that the premise for it, which is a very real premise. I could understand why that woman would be upset. But mm-hmm. as Jessica also pointed out, it'd be ridiculous to take it out on her. She had nothing to do with any of that. Right. Um, but, you know, she's like, why don't you go after the green guy or the flag waver or whatever? <laughs> um, you know, which, boy, I would love to see that battle right there. <laughs> uh, who would want to see Audrey be... Eastman go up against the Hulk? It will be so quick. Yeah, it wouldn't last. <laughs> it would not last long, no. Um, I don't know if Audrey Eastman could defeat uh, Bruce Banner, let alone the Hulk. So, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I, I I like that they're that that continues to have repercussions. That was like a a huge event. Um, I also now I know that this show I know they're treating it like this show is associated with Daredevil, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't think it really takes place in Hell's Kitchen. I never hear that. I never. I've, I don't think I've ever heard anyone once in this show say Hell's Kitchen. I think there was one. I think it mostly takes place. I think. It, I think a lot of it takes place in the larger New York City. Like it. It do, like it takes place in the larger New York City area, not just in Hell's Kitchen. Um, I don't because, know. I think it was one episode where someone said Hell's Kitchen, but I. I don't. I'm not sure. Right. But I'm, I. And I think this plays into it a little bit because they talk about not really having run into any other superhero-y types. And I feel like if this show was also an exclusively taking place in Hell's Kitchen type show, mm-hmm. they would have heard at least about Daredevil. Uh, and to me, it, to me, it makes... So either the show takes place before Daredevil takes takes place, or that the show doesn't exclusively take place in Hell's Kitchen. It's sort of uh, in various parts of the city that the show takes place in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe Jessica's apartment is in Hell's Kitchen or something, and by the looks of her apartment, it's quite possible that that's where she lives, because uh, mm-hmm. it is a dumpy-looking joint. But 
Um, I think a lot of the times, you know, because she's in a lot of upper scale, nicer parts of, uh, of you know, so I feel like they're not just in Hell's Kitchen, that they might be in other parts of New York City as well. Um, and that the stuff that's going on in Hell's Kitchen has not really uh, busted out into like more mainstream press where somebody like Jessica or Luke Cage would have heard mm-hmm. about Daredevil. Um, I'm still hoping for him to appear. Oh my god, how awesome will it be if he is the one that defends Hope? Oh, maybe, yeah. That would be awesome, is, actually. Right? Like, they like they, they, they kick out... I didn't even think of that, Aurora. You're a genius. <laughs> like, they kick out Jerry because everybody realizes she's a horrible person. Right. Who takes her girlfriend to the place that she proposed to her wife while she's getting divorced <laughs> from her wife. Right. And they get a new attorney, and it's Matt Murdock. That would be yes, and foggy, awesome. and fo- yeah, and foggy, of course. Yes, um, that would be brilliant. <laughs> there needs to be a, there needs to be some sort of thought Emmy, and you need to win it. That's <laughs> a great idea. I don't even know why you put that together. That's so stupid. That's like it's like Anthony. How did you not get what one plus one is? Like that was so simple, right in front of my face. I'm such an idiot. Um, yes. Yeah. That's how he gets introduced in the show. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they have him on here, but not as Daredevil. But He's just I mean, there if as... that was the case, I feel like he would have a bigger role than what I've heard he has in the show. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he's like, like a consultant in the <laughs> case or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, boy, uh, why am I doing this? Oh, I'm spoiling things. <laughs> uh, I'm looking because I'm looking. Are you searching for it? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm on the Wikipedia page and I'm looking at the the cast right, and they've got a re- reoccurring, mm-hmm. and they've got guests right, mm-hmm. and one of the they have Rosario Dawson as Claire Temple, mm-hmm. so she's going to be in an episode. I mean, if she's going to be in an episode, you know, Daredevil's gonna or Matt Murdock is going to show up in an episode if Rosario is going to be uh, in an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to imagine. Um, apparently, Stan Lee is also in a cameo via an onset, <laughs> of <course he> is. <laughs> via an onset photograph. Uh, huh. Apparently, the same one that was seen in Daredevil as well. I'm guessing at a oh. police station. So, um, yeah. So there is that. Um, I'm not going to read any more because <laughs> I don't want to find out anything else uh, <laughs> until we get there. Uh, so, a score for, for 99 Friends. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, I, I'm just, I have to save my five. I'm going to go 4.5. Okay. We know <laughs> yes. what's coming. It's coming, but I, I still have not seen that five episode. No. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to give this four and a half as well. I liked the episode. I really liked the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, and, and not all of it is... The writing on this show is so good. So good. The, I mean, everything. The camera work is is great. The, just uh, Christian Ritter is so. I feel like somehow this was made for her to play. Like yeah. she just does it so. Well. I saw her the other day on. I want to say maybe it was uh, Colbert or. Oh uh, no! It was on. Um, she was on uh, Kimmel. Okay. Because they had this was the Jimmy Kimmel where I was I was going to go to bed. I was watching I can't remember what I was watching. I was watching something on Amazon or something and I turned off the television 
and my cable turned back on and Kimmel was on and there was Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and I checked and it was a new episode. I'm like, oh, they must be promoting Civil War for some reason, even though that mm-hmm. doesn't come out until May. And that's when they revealed the trailer. Uh, surprise, surprise, completely unannounced. Like, oh, and here's the Captain America Civil War trailer. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got to stay up and watch this. Um, and then after them, they had Christian Ritter on to talk about Jessica Jones. And mm-hmm. she so does not seem like that character at all. Yeah. Yeah. She looks exactly like Jessica Jones, but she's the exact opposite of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, and told a lovely story about how her mom binge watched uh, all of the episodes, even when she had to go, uh, she couldn't be home. So she binged episodes on her phone and things like that. Um, so yeah, uh, she seems, she seems awesome, but, uh, she was, she's far too humble. She is excellent in this show. And, uh, I don't ever see her being in like, unlike daredevil, I can see daredevil doing like one of the bigger Marvel movies. I don't. And it's not because I don't think Jessica Jones could hang with, those other characters, I sort of feel like like her character wouldn't do that. Like she wouldn't want to yeah. go be in the Avengers. Like that doesn't right. scream like the kind. Of, I feel Jessica Jones feels to me like somebody who wishes she never had her superpowers, yeah. and she just wanted to. She didn't want what horrible thing happened to her with Kilgrave, and she just mm-hmm. wants to live a normal as possible life, and that's all she wants to have. Um, you know, that's one of the things I like about this show too. Is it feels Daredevil felt more contained than mm-hmm. the other Marvel movies, which have a far more epic, grand, wider scale. And this show feels even more contained than Daredevil does. Like, this feels like it's yeah, just, yeah. it's it's not about anything, but this guy who's obsessed with her, and she's trying to get away from him or stop him from hurting anybody yeah. else. Um, a, it's a lovely show. Be, Four and a half I don't know. I was, think, I, I was thinking that uh, in the Civil War trailer, we see that the plot is going to be something like, the government trying to control people with superpowers. Yes. Um, so I don't know if... Or at least might... manipulate them, yeah. Right. So it might be tied with this show mm-hmm. oh, in a way. I don't know. Because there's a guy that's controlling people. Did you, yes. I mean, well, so. did, you ever, did you ever read the, the Civil War? I haven't read the Civil War book, but um, mm, no. I, I know that basically how it is is like if you want to continue to be a superhero, you have to unmask yourself to the government. They have to know mm-hmm. who you are. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be rules and regulations set upon you, and you essentially work for the government. You don't work right. f- for yourself anymore. Uh, and I mean, I will. I, I'm sure this will get discussed on the Cinema Geekly podcast too. But since this is a Marvel podcast, I guess we can squeeze it in real quick. Um, it's also switched around. I believe in the books, it's Iron Man who is against against this, and Captain America is the one who is like on the government side. Yeah. And here it is That's, the other way around. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, but that works given everything that's happened, where yeah. Tony Stark in this universe has screwed up everything, and he's responsible for a lot of this mm-hmm. horrible stuff mm-hmm. happening. So he is, of course, like, yes, we need to be, we need to have roadblocks and stop signs put in front of us. And Captain America is like, no, I've seen what our government does at times, and you know, no, 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 this this isn't the way to go. Um, I'm super excited to see that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even the movie I'm most looking forward to next year. There's so many of those as well, but so many, um, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to do so much, so much movies, <laughs> so little dollars. Yes. Um, all right. So Aurora and I will come back next week. Uh, and we're going to talk about episodes five and six of Jessica Jones, AKA 
Uh, no, this is, yeah, it's five and six, is uh, AKA The Sandwich Saved Me, which is an awesome title, and <laughs> AKA You're a Winner! Yeah.